Mindfulness Mode 433. So you'll talk to military kids who say, yeah, this is my fifth school system I've been in. You know, it means they've had to change their lives. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. I've just returned from Reading, Pennsylvania, from being a movement maker at Justin Shank's event that he just had called Growth Now Movement Live. Man, it was great. It was a great experience. And as a side note, you can hear my interview with Justin at mindfulnessmode.com slash 293, where he talks about adversity and reaching your goals. Anyway, being at Growth Now Movement Live in Reading, wow, that was, like I said, just so much fun. As a movement maker, I got to share the stage with incredible people. I am telling you, I loved the feedback I got afterwards from different people in the audience. They were great to meet and talk to and and said positive things. One of the keynote speakers at the event was Coach Cav, and his, his name is Justin Cavanaugh. And he's worked with people like Madonna and Lenny Kravitz. Now he's showing other entrepreneurs how to grow and scale their businesses as fast as possible. He used to work mostly as an athletic coach, and now he's working more as a business coach. And Coach Cav and I got to talk afterwards, and he shared some advice with me about being laser focused and about how to get a reality check. That's one of the things he talks about. He's upfront, straightforward. He's says things like it is. And uh, anyway, I'm going to interview Coach Cav, and I have a feeling you'll enjoy his attitudes about mindfulness and about body language, about focusing on mind, body, and spirit to be the best person you can possibly be. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to mention a freebie that's just for you. It's called the Awaken with Focus Guided Meditation. It'll help give you clarity and focus in the morning or anytime. You can download this free guided meditation at mindfulnessmode.com slash awaken with focus. Today, I'm featuring a psychologist and educator with the U.S. military. One of the things she shared is how to use your phone to keep your health in check and to stay mentally sharp and on point. I really appreciated so many of the points she made today in the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode with Dr. Julie Kinn. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I am really excited with my guest today. We're going to be talking about a lot of different aspects of health and wellness. I have with me Dr. Julie Kin. Hey, Dr. Kin, are you in mindfulness mode today? I sure am, and I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm excited too. Dr. Kin, what does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, that's a good question, because it really can mean so many different things to different people. To me, mindfulness is finding an intention, finding focus inside, and practicing attention on that intention. So attention on the intention. In other words, mindfulness doesn't need to be a complex procedure. It doesn't need to be something in a foreign language. It doesn't even need to be religious. Mindfulness can be any activity that helps center yourself, focus on the intention, and focus your attention. Well, I love the work you do. You help the military by 
working on the development and implementation of health technology. So tell us about that and what your job involves. Yeah, I have the best job. I'm really lucky. I work in the United States Department of Defense in our Defense Health Agency. And what that is, is basically the healthcare section of the Department of Defense. We provide healthcare for military service members and their dependent beneficiaries. So that's about 9.8 million folks. And what my section does at the Defense Health Agency Office of Connected Health is we look at all the innovative technology out there. And our first question is always, okay, here's this new technology. How can we use that to uh, get an opportunity to help improve health outcomes? So for example, Bruce, this morning, uh, what what did you use to wake up? How did you wake up today? I have an alarm on my phone. That on your me phone, yes. right? And I'm guessing a lot of your listeners are in the same position there. I am too. It, in fact, it's really common these days among civilians, but also military service members and veterans that, that we use our phones to wake up in the morning. Right. And what that means is the very first thing in the morning, the first thing you're interacting with before your spouse, before your kids, before your pets is that phone. And oftentimes it's the last thing at night too. We we sleep with our phones. They're near us all the time. Pretty much everywhere you go, our folks have our mobile devices with us. And so it gives us this opportunity. Now, some would see that as a, a scary thing, uh, you know, robots taking over the world kind of thing. But mobile phones, mobile devices, these kinds of technologies are just an example of, of technology today that's everywhere. It's pervasive. Just like 50 years ago, a telephone started to become pervasive and clinicians were looking at, okay, how can we use this to improve health? So since I know the service members have phones with them wherever they're going and veterans and families too, and since they're already starting to use health apps, for example, tracking diet or exercise steps, that's very common. I want to leverage that to also get them to track mood or meditation practices or do an exercise on deep breathing to focus on mindfulness, for example, focus on improving sleep, to listen to podcasts like this. And it it feels like a natural fit. We're not asking people to pick up some strange device they've never handled before. No, we're saying pick up your phone. You're already using it. Let's look at ways we can use this for health. Right. And I love the fact that you've put together three podcasts, one about meditation, one about getting a better night's sleep. It's called a better night's sleep. And then another one about more your health in general. So you are really getting out there and doing a lot of educating with people, not only in the military, but anyone who wants to listen, right? Yeah, that's the fun thing about working in the United States government is that anything we make, we automatically make free for civilians as well. So anyone can use our resources, anyone worldwide. So all of your listeners can download any of our mobile apps, like the Virtual Hope Box, which is fantastic for mindfulness and meditation, or any of our podcasts, like the Military Meditation Coach. We also worked with the Canadian Department of Defense to build the PTSD coach in French, in Canadian French. That's an app that we worked with the Departments of Veterans Affairs in the United States to build to help folks understand PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and start engaging in some healthful behaviors. It's also an app that's really nice for family members to learn more about PTSD as well. 
Well, that's awesome. And, you know, I was listening to one of your episodes about humor and you were laughing about the grumpy cat and and then you were saying about the Kermit meme and how that's used in therapy. Can you share that with our audience? Yeah, sure. You know, what's really exciting as a therapist is when a patient brings me technology that they're interested in. Uh, Just like it would excite me if a patient brought in a book that they found meaningful, because I know the patient is engaging. They're, They're interested. They're thinking about therapy outside of just the therapy session. So what we've started to notice over the past few years is patients bringing us things like memes that they found that reminded them of their treatment or, you know, just silly videos on YouTube that they might have seen that made them laugh or smile and made them think, oh, I've I've got to show this to my therapist. Anytime a, a patient brings in something, it's fantastic because it shows they're they're present, they're thinking about therapy beyond just the 50 minutes of the therapy session. But one of the things that we've encountered over the past decade or so in in this work is that sometimes providers are a couple steps behind their patients. You know, the patients might be a little bit more likely to adopt the new technology than providers. And there's certainly an age component in there too. So a lot of what my role is, is training and educating providers in the military health system and also civilian providers, so that they can learn how to safely use technology. For example, what's the best way to recommend a mobile app? Or or we like to say prescribe the mobile app. You know, I think five years from now, Bruce, when you go see your doctor, in addition to thinking about what you can do to improve your diet and exercise, I'm hoping the doc will also say, and here's a couple podcasts you might like to try, and here's a mobile app I'd like to prescribe to you. Here you go. Here's a prescription pad with links to those things, and then send you those links electronically. And and that's what we're trying to make happen in the military health system, because there are so many great resources. You mentioned a few of our podcasts. We, We have a couple dozen apps, but there's a lot of other fantastic resources out there as well, aside from just the ones we make in the Department of Defense and VA. And we really want to make sure providers know how to use them, how to use them safely, and then make sure they're getting into the hands of their patients. That is just great that all that is being made available. Now, I know that you've addressed anxiety and stress in children, and that's an episode I was listening to as well. How can we help children with all the stress that's out there? Oh, it's such a good question because kids, it's hard to be a child. It's hard to be anyone who doesn't have a lot of agency, a lot of power over their situation. And and that's pretty much the definition of being a child, right? Yeah. Children tend to to have anxiety at times, of course, and some children have symptoms of depression at times. We do see higher rates of anxiety among military kids, especially as it relates to military moves. And of course, when a parent is away on deployment or training exercises or just separated again because of a move, it's very common for military service members to have to move every few years. So you'll talk to military kids who say, yeah, this is my fifth school system I've been in. And you know, it means they've had to change their lives over and over again, lose their friends, lose those social connections, which we know are so important. So uh, fortunately, military kids have so many amazing uh, attributes that make them very resilient. Yes. And the military community is really strong. But it's not a one-for-one trade. So what we like to do is a couple of things. First of all, we do make technology for children specifically. We paired with Sesame Street. We partnered with Sesame Street to make a few mobile apps and some websites. 
Um, you, the best of all of those is probably the big moving adventure. And like all of our mobile apps, they're all free for anyone in the world. And you don't need to be military to enjoy it. But the big moving adventure, uh, the kids actually design their own Muppet and then help walk the Muppet through their adventure of moving and what that entails, how to pack up their toys, which toy the Muppet's going to pick to bring with them in the truck on the way to their, their new installation. And during this exercise, the military child or civilian child, of course, is learning all about some of the feelings that the Muppet has during this move and, and some healthy ways to cope with them. Yeah, another really fantastic mobile app for kids to help manage anxiety and symptoms of depression and stress is called Breathe, Think, Do. This is another one we made with Sesame Street, where the child helps a monster learn how to do deep belly breathing, deep diaphragmatic breathing. There's this exercise that's repeated throughout the app where you teach the monster how to breathe, then you have the monster think about the situation, and then you have the monster act. So for example, the monster gets really frustrated because he has to wait in line for a slide. We've all been there, right? Bruce, I know you. When, <laughs> when you have to wait your turn for that slide, it's it so gets frustrating. frustrating. Yes, it does. But a couple things are happening here. One is the child is having fun, of course, which is yeah. always really nice. They're also doing the breathing exercise along with the monster. And hopefully breathe, think, do is something that will stick with them throughout school and throughout life, whether they're dealing with something as serious as a military move or something little like the monster does when he can't tie his shoes on the first try and has to try again. But another really important thing that's happening is that a parent or adult caregiver who might be looking at the app with the child is also learning this exercise. Uh, and that's a really powerful interaction. Of course, I'm sure most kids who are using these apps are just on their own using them, especially when they do it their third, fourth, fifth time through, because you know how kids are. They Once they find something they like, they want to do it again and again. Right. But if the parent can also learn these exercises and reinforce it, then the parents learning language to use to talk about difficult feelings and the parents also learning a very important lesson on diaphragmatic breathing that they also can use. So I, I would say for your listeners, if they want to be doing something to help military families, uh, even if they're not part of a military family, posting on social media about apps like breathe, think, do, or the big moving adventure or our website, Military Kids Connect, does a really important function. One, it shares the resource, but two, it helps break down some of the stigma about receiving help for behavioral health, for mental health issues. Uh, when, when your listeners post about, hey, heard an interesting interview on, on Bruce's show, Mindfulness Mode, click here to learn more about you know, Virtual Hope Box, which is an app that helps increase mood. Then they're also sending the message, I'm not afraid to talk about mental health. This is something that's important, and I'm, I'm glad for others to know about it. And Dr. Ken, let's talk about meditation. First of all, oh, I sure. want to ask you, what does meditation look like in your own personal life? Oh, that's such a good question. So, okay, here's my big secret first. Even though I host the Military Meditation Coach, I don't actually meditate per se. I do a lot of deep breathing exercises and I do like guided imagery, especially to help me get to sleep. But a lot of the meditation exercises, I frankly, they haven't worked for me, which is part of why we started the Military Meditation Coach podcast because 
they're not one size fits all, right? And there's right. no panacea. There's no one kind of exercise that's going to work for everyone. And and what you just heard me say, oh, it hasn't worked for me. That's like the, the typical thing we hear from people who we recommend meditation to. Oh, I tried that once. It didn't work for me. Right. And the, the great thing about meditation and mindfulness and relaxation is that there are so many different styles and kinds. It's like saying, oh, I've tried dessert. I didn't like it. Yes, oh, it is oh like saying gosh, that. That's you know, true. you just want to feed that person a whole bunch of different cookies till you find something that they like. And that's how it is with meditation and mindfulness. So what we did was we went around the military health system and found experts in all sorts of different kinds of mindfulness and relaxation. And we have just this huge variety for people to try. Some of our listeners enjoy trying a different exercise every week. And some will listen to a few until they find one they really like. And then that's their groove. And that's the one they'll listen to on repeat. We've got ones as short as three minutes, some that are 45 minutes long, male presenters, female presenters, some that have a slightly religious component. We've got ones made by chaplains, for example, some that are just guided imagery, some that are progressive muscle relaxation. I did one for kids just on how to do a deep breathing exercise. That's a very short one because of the short attention spans. And so, you know, if you're like me and you say, oh, I've tried mindfulness, didn't love it. Okay, yeah, probably that's okay. But there might be another kind of relaxation exercise out there that does help. That does help center you, find that intention, bring your attention inward and and relax your breathing. And we know that there's benefits to it. In the military community, there's been a lot of really comprehensive studies showing that engaging in mindfulness or meditation exercises can help with stress, depression, and also managing the symptoms of PTSD, which of course is very important to us. Um, but it's also just a free way that you can exercise your mind. This doesn't cost anything, right? It, it's, it's all inside your head and you, you learn how to do it. And then it's something you can have with you wherever you go. Yeah. And there are some pretty incredible kinds of meditation, like walking meditation or even athletics, sports, different kinds of, of activities that you can do that can be part of your meditative experience. So that can be very positive as well. So I think it's wonderful. And you're bringing that to everyone through a podcast called The Military Meditation Coach. That's right. It's free for anybody around the world, just like this podcast. And you also have one called A Better Night's Sleep, like I mentioned earlier. Now, how do you personally fall asleep? What's your strategy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Sleep is so important. I love talking about sleep. You know, I, I always thought I was an okay sleeper, but doing the Better Night's Sleep podcast taught me so many great tips. You know, there's the basic sleep hygiene that that we learn is things like, couple hours before you're planning to go to bed, start dimming the lights, stop drinking alcohol, stop eating any food, don't exercise, don't do housework, don't do work work, uh, you know, start doing things deliberately that are relaxing. And that was where I was not so great before I learned more about sleep. I, I knew some of the basics, not to exercise right before bed, not to drink a whole bunch of water, because of course, then you have to get up and urinate. But the really deliberately making time just to do relaxing, pleasurable activities was hard. Like many of your listeners, I work full time and I come home and I parent 
two kids and two dogs, and then I clean up around the house, it's hard to carve out time for yourself. But what I did was I decided to focus on sleep for four weeks. And I said, this is going to be my month of sleep where I'm going to do all the things. I am going to uh, turn off the lights. I'm going to not eat or drink. I'm going to read relaxing books. I only read books I've read before. So books I loved, like Jane Austen, but nothing so, no Stephen King, nothing that would keep me awake, page turning, right? And my sleep got so much better. The first few nights, it was hard. But one of the other sleep rules that I really like is you don't get in bed until you're tired. So the first few nights, I stayed up a little bit later. I, you know, even though I was doing the relaxing things, I didn't feel tired yet. Uh, Instead of having a a glass of wine to calm down, you know, just figured, okay, well, I'll be going to bed a little bit late. That's okay. I'm going to read a book instead and pet the dogs. Uh, And after a few nights, I got a better sense of when I was tired versus just antsy. And uh, soon it was much, much easier. Now, a a miss conception is that when you're tired, you should be able to put your head on the pillow and fall asleep right away. It actually should take about 10 or 15 minutes before you fall asleep. If you do fall asleep right away, you might be a little sleep deprived. If it takes more than you know 20 minutes or so, you want to get up and maybe do something else and not try to force the sleep. So I really paid attention to that as well. And nowadays, um, you know, some of the things I did were, were not things I could keep up past four weeks. I have to admit, reserving two hours at the end of the day without housework didn't happen. I, I'm constantly cleaning up after everybody else. <laughs> but aside from that one, I've tried to keep a lot of those good habits. And, you know, now I, I just prioritize it and make sure sleep happens because if sleep happens, then everything else can happen too. Yeah, that's one of the problems I see is that for a lot of folks, they don't ask about help with sleep because there's this assumption that, well, sure, I'm tired and I'm not getting enough sleep, but that's because I'm an adult and every adult doesn't get enough sleep. And if you talk to your friends, yeah, everyone's going to complain about being tired and it starts to feel like, well, this is just the human condition. We're always tired. But there really are things we can do for sleep. And uh, if you talk to your provider about it, there's some important assessments too. Sleep apnea is very prevalent in the military community. And you might not even realize that you're waking up very frequently with sleep apnea. Your bed partner might realize it, but it can cause you to wake up feeling fatigued, even if you're getting eight or nine hours of sleep, because it's not high quality sleep, it's fragmented. Right. And then a lot of times we try to put in place good sleep habits that end up backfiring. For example, like I said, if you're not tired, don't go to bed. Well, sometimes we have that mom and dad inside our head that says, nope, it's nine o'clock, get in bed now. And you just lay there awake until you fall asleep. But then what you do is you train yourself to hate your bed and the bed becomes the place where you're stressed out and not sleeping. So that's no good. We only want to use our beds for sleep and sex and nothing else and certainly not lying awake with anxiety. So there's a lot of great tips I've learned from the A Better Night's Sleep podcast. We start off with just insomnia um, and the basics of it and how to treat it. We get into sleep apnea and then some more disorders like narcolepsy and some exciting things like that. But then in the second season, it really turns into question and answer with our sleep experts. We started to get some exciting engagement from our listeners and some fun questions. So uh, I think the most exciting episode is probably the one about parasomnias like sleepwalking and sexsomnia. 
But the most recent episode we recorded, uh, the we asked the expert, can I let my dog on the bed? What if he's a very good dog? That was a question from a listener. <laughs> and the, the answers were are really practical and easy to understand. And also it's short. Each episode is about 20 minutes or less. So, you know, it's a, it's a good series to help reinforce some of the lessons that we probably know. There's nothing too shocking in there aside from the sexomnia episode, but uh, you know, everything makes sense. It's just hearing it from the experts helps and also finding out some practical tips. And the other thing I like about it is learning what the treatments entail, because, you know, it's, it's hard to ask a doc for help if you're not sure what the potential answers are going to be. Well, Dr. Ken, I have to admit, I did not listen to that episode. So this begs the question, (laughs) what is sexsomnia? Okay. Well, according to our expert on that episode, Colonel Brian Robertson of Walter Reed Military Medical Center, sexsomnia is when a person uh, goes through the actions of sexual activity while sleeping. And this isn't extremely common, but it does happen for folks who are sleepwalkers and also sleep talkers. Uh, It has to do with uh, how the sleep cycles are interrupted, and it can be influenced by how much sleep someone's getting. So, for example, if someone is a sleepwalker and they are really short on sleep that night, they're a little bit more likely to have a sleepwalking episode. Uh, And although it it sounds funny and interesting to learn about it, uh, it also can cause a lot, a lot of problems. So uh, sleepwalking and parasomnias are more common in young people. Most people grow out of them. Mm -hmm. But if you have a, a kid who's a sleepwalker, As they move into adolescence, this is something that that could take place, something to keep an eye on. And, you know, you want to make sure that if this is something that a family is experiencing, that you learn more about it, talk to a doc, and then limit activities such as sleepover parties and other kinds of situations that could be dangerous. Uh, But because of the stigma, because of how odd it sounds, this is an example of a condition people might be reluctant to talk to a provider about. So we, you know, part of the goal of that podcast, just like yours, is raising awareness. It's sometimes easier to listen to a podcast first before speaking to a provider about it. And I hope we help people understand that this is just a normal part of how some people's brains work. And there are treatments, there are medications to prevent this kind of activity, brain activity, I mean. And there's lots and lots of different ways families can make the home a safer place to prevent others from getting hurt. So that's a great episode. But uh, really, the bottom line is talk to providers about these things. It's okay. Yeah. Well, Dr. Ken, I think it's fascinating how you ended up doing all the work you do. But I want to ask you, what was a day in your life like when you were seven years old? How did, you know, was there something that foreshadowed that you would become a clinical psychologist? Well, ever since I was a little girl, I knew I either wanted to be a psychologist or a rabbi. So those were the two things I was really focused on. And I still have the rabbi thing maybe in the back pocket for one of these days when I want to go back to school for a few years, Mm -hmm. but maybe after retirement. Um, Gosh, I always was the kid who the other kids wanted to talk to. So I suppose there's that. My weakness is I also like to make people laugh. So trying to separate out the comedy side and have an outlet for that has been very important. And do you ever do stand-up comedy? 
I do. I do stand up comedy and I, I do comedy podcasts on the side. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's also fun just getting to laugh and talk with my teammates. You know, we work on very serious issues, but it's also important to bond over the little things in life. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. You don't want to be serious all the time. Absolutely. And life can be too serious. That's for sure. Tell me some some humor about mindfulness, because I've heard some really funny things about <laughs> spiritualism and mindfulness. Do you have a couple of things to share with us? I think one of the really interesting articles I read was about the use of humor to help with marital happiness. So this isn't so much a funny story, but about funniness. Right. So there's this great research article that they had married couples or partnered couples uh, talk about when they met and talk about moments in their life that were really powerful, really romantic times, uh, like the times of proposal, the moments of the wedding, things like that. And then they also asked them to think about times they had laughed together, shared jokes, those inside jokes, or when someone stepped in the dog poop and it made everybody laugh. And what they found was that looking at the funny moments were even more powerful than the romantic moments for that romantic relationship. And so I've taken that to heart here in, in my home. We are very mindful about those funny moments. And when the kids say some ridiculous thing, which seems to happen all the time, I write it down. And sometimes I'll put it on Facebook for the in-laws to see or my parents. Yeah. But once a year, I compile it all into a book. And then all the time, I'd say probably about once a month or so, a kid will pull one of those books off the shelf and we'll just sit down and read it. And we all read it together and it causes us to laugh and laugh again. And that laughing and just remembering those moments very deliberately, very mindfully, again, with that intention and the attention, it increases everybody's mood and helps us feel like a family unit. And once in a while, my my husband and I will pull those out very intentionally. If maybe we've had a rough week, you know, sometimes every family goes through hard times. Yeah. And so being mindful about, okay, let's, let's turn to the silly stuff and remember those things that made us laugh and it helps us be stronger and to get through the hard times together. Yeah, it truly does. And what a great idea, Dr. Kin, that you do that. I think that's that's super. That's super to share. Now, I want to ask you, were you ever bullied in your life or were you ever a bully to anyone? Probably both. I definitely was bullied. I, I'd like to think I was always a super nice kid, but I'm guessing there were a couple of times that I wasn't, as mm. is unfortunately human nature. But I was bullied. I had a, a pretty bad experience at mm. one high school and I left to go to a different one. And do you have anything that you can share about how mindfulness could have helped that situation? Yeah. You know, one thing tracking mood, tracking our responses to things. Because especially if you're someone who experiences depression, it's really hard to remember the better moments. And when we think back to how is everything, we, we only remember the bad. So one of the apps we worked on or that we made for my team is called the T2 Mood Tracker. That's an app where the whole purpose is to track moods and other events. Like, for example, you can connect it to your wearable to track steps and you can add notes about things. I think if I had had an app like the T2 Mood Tracker, where I'd been able to track 
okay, how difficult is this today? What's my level of stress dealing with this? What about my sadness? And then to be able to have that data over time and track it against some of these other events, probably, first of all, would have helped some of the adults around me take the situation a little bit more seriously earlier on, but also would have allowed me to understand how my anxiety and depression related to other aspects of my life. For example, you know, my level of attention and concentration in school went down as a result of those moods. And, you know, looking back as an adult, well, of course it did. But when you're a kid, sure. those things aren't so obvious. So true. So, it's, so maybe it's a very nerdy answer here, but I really like tracking. I like being able to look at data. I'm definitely one of those quantified self people. And I'm guessing some of your listeners are as well. Just sure. like for some folks, writing in a journal is very, very meaningful. For some of us numbers people, we just want to see the data. So for folks like that, I think T2 Mood Tracker is a really, really good solution. Yeah, well, thanks for that. As we move ahead, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30-second answers are perfect. Who is one person who's influenced mindfulness in your life, Dr. Kin? Commander William McNulty of the Special Forces at Joint Base Lewis-McChord. He is really an inspiration in mindfulness and meditation and, and the effects on sleep. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, definitely helped smooth out some of the ebbs and flows to make things a little bit more even. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness <laughs> practice. Well, I do it every day. I'm addicted to breathing. I love Are it. Are you? <laughs> uh, but deep breathing especially helps focus my attention and helps in those very difficult moments. Yeah, it can really help. That's for sure. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? You know, I guess I would say A Blank Journal is probably one of the most important books to increase mindfulness. Allowing yourself a space that's just for you, that there's no right or wrong answer where you can write down anything. Uh, Just the simple act of pen on paper can be really, really moving. And many of us in this digital age don't spend a lot of time with paper and pen. So I recommend A Blank Journal. I love that answer, Dr. Ken. I think that's excellent. And and what should you do if you sit down and you just don't know what first word to write down? And draw a picture and don't even worry about what it looks like. It can be just the most beautiful dot in the world. It can be just a straight line. That's okay. Sometimes just getting into the habit of pen on paper can be really powerful. Now remember, there, no one's grading your journal. It's just for you. This is really something that is purely, purely just for you. But the other thing I like is gratitude notes. So if you really have nothing to write, write a thank you note to anyone living or dead about anything. Uh, it doesn't need to be sent, uh, although you can send a gratitude note. But just the act of thanking someone for an impact they made on your life increases your mood and also, again, is a great mindfulness exercise. And my last question is always about apps. Now, we've talked so much about apps. <laughs> is there any single app, if I could only have one app, that you would recommend that's related to mindfulness? Well, the virtual hope box. That's three words. We made it to be like a physical hope box, which is just a box people used to carry around with pictures and memories of things that that make life worth living. But the virtual hope box is an app we made to uh, be able to have that, that powerful collection on the go anytime you need it. Your favorite songs, your favorite pictures, your favorite videos, inspirational quotes, distract 
it's an app that we've found people use to help them get to sleep um, or help focus attention. But ultimately, we've seen it help increase mood. And it's a really fun, colorful app that just looks like a game if anyone's looking over your shoulder. It's really a terrific resource I recommend it to everybody. Virtual Hope Box. That's awesome. And we'll put all of these suggestions into our to our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Dr. Kin, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Bruce. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You take care now. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, Awaken with Focus a 12-minute meditation just for you, recorded by me. You can be alert, focused after waking. That's what it's all about. Feel invigorated, fresh, and dynamic. Let your vibrancy feed those around you. Download this meditation to help you get going in the morning at mindfulnessmode.com slash awakenwithfocus. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.